welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark, and with me, as always, former Silver Valley Bulldog infielder slash pitcher, get it, really sick curveball, Bo Chisholm. Bo, how goes it on this fine evening? It goes well. It's uh, it's a beautiful evening here in the greater Seattle area. It's snowing. It's a winter wonderland. Um, it's just just couldn't be better times. Couldn't be better times. How about yourself? How is how is McCall, Idaho, on this uh, Monday night? Uh, really, 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 really cold. Um, I think windchill put it about negative ten, negative twenty today. Um, so yeah, really cold, but otherwise, uh, good day, had the day off. Um, and, and, you know, we're here now together to, to do some podcasting. Did you get your lights up for Christmas? Did you put any lights up? We did put some lights up. Um, uh, we've got some lights up. We got the tree up, got a real tree up. Oh, a real tree. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, got the lights up, got presents under the tree, and it's just just Christmas time here at our house. It what what's trees cost over there? Two hundred, three hundred bucks. I think that I think uh, what do we pay for ours? Like maybe sixty, seventy bucks somewhere in there. So shocking. Yeah, pretty pretty penny. You, you know, that that's a pretty far cry from when we used to sell uh, Christmas trees through Boy Scouts there. So yeah, so that's fair. <laughs> Before we get into anything, thank you again to our fans who are coming back time after time to listen to us. Um, for all you new folks, welcome. You know, we're, we're a few podcasts in. We're getting more comfortable as we go. Um, so thank you for choosing Forks Down um, to get your, your fill of Mariners baseball talk. Um, if you haven't already, go hit up our social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, you just need to search Forks Down Podcast, look us up, like on there, and uh, you know, you'll get all the uh the news of us putting out new podcasts. Um and then you can also hit like or subscribe on your podcast listening app, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, um, you know, and you'll get notified every time we um drop a new episode. So thank you again for coming back and listening to us and uh you know, sometimes we ramble, but we try to have fun. So, anyways, Bo, um, not too much uh, going on in the MLB this week. I mean, there was a couple big signings. Uh, the last of the uh, free agents um, that were at shortstop got signed. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it was a pretty uh, dry week compared to the last couple. So, A little slower week, yeah. Um you know the big dominoes. The big dominoes fell. Um, I think previous week. I mean, um, you had Carlos Correa signing with the Giants for 13 years um, for a lot of money. You had um, yeah, Dansby Swanson signing with the Cubs. So kind of the last batch of the big shortstops fell off the board there. Um, <laughs> you know, the Mariners were never going to be on any of those guys. So it's, uh, they're both going to the NL. So I don't know, you know, if we'll ever really see him again, but, um, yeah, no, uh, big deals, more money just going out of the door. I think the big, I think the one move, um, stuck out to me and, you know, we're going to cover more teams today and 
he'll probably be part of it was Andrew Benintendi signing with the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a pretty modest deal for the most part, right? Um, and it was like, it's kind of looking at the deal. It was kind of a deal that I thought that the Mariners, I don't know, the Mariners I felt like could have swung something of that nature for the deal for like what Andrew Benintendi got, right? Five years, 75 million. Like that seems pretty... I don't know. That seems pretty modest to me, but, um, you know, not going to hang my hat or be super upset about it. Right. But, um, I think I saw that it was the biggest white Sox free agent deal in a long time. I felt like, I don't know if I thought I saw ever, but that doesn't seem right. But yeah, um, with, with who they've had on their team previous, like that would be wild. Yeah. I want to check the, check the facts on that one. But, um, no, I think it's I, I, like I said. I like Benintendi. I feel like the value that you're going to get for him for that what he signed there is going to be just about right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he's going to plug a nice little hole in that outfield there. Uh, How do you feel about that one? Um, I really feel like he could have been our leadoff hitter. Um, slaps the ball pretty well. Gets on base at a good clip. Um, and and again that that contract for how much money is getting thrown around this season in free agency. I mean, Carlos Correa, 13 years over $300 million. Dansby Swanson was seven years, you know, north of 150 million. So like, there's a lot of money getting thrown around. So to hear Ben and got signed at a five year, $75 million clip is, um, it was almost kind of refreshing. Um, I've never, I'm never going to be on the side of the team. I, I want players to get paid because they only have a short winter window um, you know, to, to make their money, but, um, you know, just, just seeing some of the numbers, this off season has been insane. Um, you know, Ben Intendi, good player. He's going to go to, uh, the White Sox immediately fill a hole for them, you know, as we'll explain later. Um, cause I would be covering the White Sox. Um, but yeah, uh, Ben Intendi, that's, that's yeah. Good for him. So and then let's see. There was also, I mean, we also had Joey Gallo mm-hmm. um, signing with the Twins. Um, I don't think Joey Gallo was ever going to be in the cards for the Mariners. I think there was a small subsection of the Mariners fan base that thought it'd be really interesting, just guy that hits for power. And the Mariners kind of need a little bit of a DH type, anyways. Um, yep. Nothing really sticks out major there. Um, Carlos Rodon signed with the Yankees. Um, M's were never really going to be in on Carlos Rodon or anybody like that. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's another injury-prone guy. Um, and I'm kind of a little surprised how like how much money a lot of injury-prone guys are getting, right? Like, um, mm. I mean, Rodon and um, you know, DeGrom. Those are two, DeGrom's, two of the biggest yeah. pitching names in this offseason, right? And they both got a lot of money and a lot of guaranteed years. So I'm a little shocked by... A little shocked by that, I guess. And I, I can't remember what the age is of Rodon, but I'm pretty sure I saw that his contract will run into is 41. He, like, he'll be 41 years old when that runs out. Am I, am I oh, really? ballpark there? Let me, let me look it up just to make sure. Well, he's, he's, he's 30, you know, he's a, he's a, he's an old man. You know how those 30 year olds are just old, old guys. Um, well, in baseball standards. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> baseball and baseball standards. I mean, in sport, um, you could just say in sports standards, football is probably the worst with that. You know, mm-hmm. you look at twenty-eight-year-olds in football, and you're like, that guy's an old guy. You know, baseball, you, you can be a couple more years. I guess the old the old guard would be uh, 
uh, probably guys like Degrom, um, Verlander. You know, Verlander being the biggest one. I'm pretty sure he's the oldest guy in the MLB today. But anyways. Well, I guess let me let me look real quick because I was thinking that, um, I mean, the Mariners gave Robbie Ray a lot of money, right? Um, I think Carlos Rodon's getting less than, I guess Carlos Rodon's getting more than Robbie Ray, but um, I mean, it's not by too much. Robbie Ray's going to get $21 million this year, $23 million next year, and then $25 million the year after that. So yeah, it's not a, not a big gap between, I mean, yes, Carlos Rodon's going to get you know, just under thirty million for the next couple of years, but not a big gap between um, Carlos Rodon and what Robbie Gray got. I think so. I, I was I was talking out my butt there. Uh, yeah, he only signed a two year, forty four million dollar deal with the Giants. So I'm trying to look six years. Yeah, so that put Rodon about thirty six. Still injury prone, like you brought up. Um, definitely, definitely surprising to get, see him get uh, the contract he did. But, anyways. And then um, the other note that I had, um, kind of, not, I mean, somewhat insignificant, doesn't really move the needle too much, but he was a player that um, I kind of liked for the Mariners to just fill like a DH hole was uh, Michael Brantley. He goes back to the Astros. Um, One year it's probably where he was always going to go back to, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, how'd you feel about that one? I just kind of felt like Michael Brantley – I just kind of want guys like I, I occasionally just want guys to just give me like base hits every once in a while. Right. Like mm-hmm. I know we live in a time where launch angle and we want to lift the ball out of the stadium and all that's, you know, really like the, the, the heart of baseball nowadays. But like um, I really like that Michael Brantley just hits for a nice average. He hits, you know, 300, he's a career 300 hitter and he gets on base at like a three fifty clip somewhere in there. Right. Just like a solid hitter that like, you can put him in the middle of the lineup and he's going to get you a base hit, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of really like that about Michael Brantley. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, I would imagine the Mariners probably made a call just like they did for probably for everybody else, but he was probably always going to go back to the Astros. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for a guy like Brantley, we would probably have to overpay to like get anybody to come to Seattle anyways. So um, how'd you feel about it? It, it uh, was another one of those deals. I, I would have liked to see him put close to the top of the lineup to try to get Julio, um, push further down the lineup because, you know, we want Julio to hit well guys are on base. Um, but like you said, yeah, you, you nailed it on the head. Brantley's the type of guy you need a base hit. He's going to go out there and, and do his best to get a base hit. Um, whether that be single, double, triple, he's not really much of a home run guy. He can hit for power. Um, at least a few years ago, he could nowadays he's kind of, you know, just slaps the ball around. If you would have told me like, I don't know. Ten years ago, I would miss the days of guys like Ichiro that would just get hits for you. Like I, I call you crazy, but yeah, we're in a day and age where average really isn't the biggest thing anymore. Um, launch angle and and on base percentage definitely, you know, kind of overshadows that now, and it it kind of sucks because, like, with that eighteen inning game. Could you imagine if we had someone like a, a Brantley or, you know, that yep. was slapping the ball around to get on base, you know, that would have put us in position to win, would have put more pressure on the Astros, you know? Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's kind of what I've always thought about, right? Just like, this is an offense that just struggled so much, right? And like, 
I mean, still, you know, relatively fine, right, um, with Julio and team there. But, like, it just sometimes it becomes a slog to watch the offense just because it's just so slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just thought that, like, a nice bat like Brantley would have been fit well in the, with the offense there. And, um, uh, but, uh, you know, we'll just uh, keep searching for maybe what that is. And maybe it's in-house. Who knows? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I also, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm also a believer in, like, average, you know, a guy that hits all home runs and a guy that hits all singles, right? Average is going to look at them the same way, right? So I get that about like batting average, but also with a high batting average comes with a high on base percentage, right? That should be pretty logical. Mm -hmm. um, But uh, yep, we'll we'll keep fishing for another DH type, hopefully. Yeah, and and that's, you know, we're going to get into our Mariners notes here. And that's one thing I kind of mentioned to you uh, before we we started uh, recording today was I I really feel like there's got to be one more deal, and I'm probably going to speak it out of existence here, but I think there's one more thing up Jerry DePoto's sleeve that, you know, he's I'm not necessarily because he's seeing people get mad that he's not, you know, spending money this offseason, but I, I still feel like we've got a trick or two up uh, up DePoto's sleeve, and, and we're going to trade for someone notable, um, you know, at least semi-notable, um, and not really break the bank on it. Um, so, I I don't know. I mean, we, we're going to keep fishing, but um, I, I still think there's something there. You know, all the cards have not been played. We still got, we still got quite a ways to go before spring training happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I probably tend to agree that there's another trade coming somewhere. Right. Um, everybody kind of thinks that, I mean, Flexen or Marco is going to get moved at some point and they'll be involved in an, a deal of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot, I mean, the trade, the trade market's a little slow anyways, this time of year. Um, mm-hmm. It's been slow just like in the off season in general. So um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to be interested to see what Jerry and team are going to cook up and maybe it ends up becoming an overpay for Brian Reynolds. I don't, I don't really know yet, but um, yeah. Yeah. It feels like something else is probably coming. I just, um, it's going to be difficult to predict what that is. Yep. Yep. Uh, Moving on to Mariners notes. Um, You know, very, very minor deals. It seems like Um, Tommy Malone signed minor league deal uh, used for protection for injury, extra bullpen arm. We might see him a couple times next year. Um, Jose Rodriguez uh, signed to a minor league deal. Um, and then uh, just getting clarification. I know we were going over this before the show too. Uh, our draft spots are fa- finalized. Uh, Mariners have three picks in the first round. Um, but you want to explain those a little bit? Sure. So we got the 22nd pick in the draft. Um and that's based upon kind of where we finished um, the year. There was a little shift in the draft order due to um, just how much money I believe the Mets and the Dodgers spent last year. So I think that actually part of the CBA is they actually get moved down just due to them exceeding, you know, how much money they spent in the previous season. So mm-hmm. the Mariners moved up a little bit with that. And they also received a compensatory pick for Julio Rodriguez. Another part of the CBA is, um, you know, the rookie of the year, um, earns the team compensatory pick. So they've also received that pick, which I believe is 30th in the draft. Um, and they also have a supplemental pick in the draft, which is just based upon 
kind of where we are market size, right? As a mid-market mm-hmm. team. And we earned that um, just due to that. And, you know, ultimately just awarded that due to like a, a random draw or a lottery. So yeah. um, ultimately what it comes down to is like th- it's three picks and really realistically like the first round, the first couple, you know, 40 picks in the draft, right? The Mariners have three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's notable to call it out because um, we have we have a farm system that I wouldn't say is, you know, we still have some pieces here and there but we're relatively depleted right now, right? Like we traded, you know, we traded for Luis Castillo, um, you know, in the past we traded for Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. Um, you know, we've made some other deals that kind of move some prospects around. And I think those three, like those three picks, right. Um, like they're going to be pretty high in the system, all three of those, right. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about the draft. Like we've talked about our prospects before, and, um, you know, I think Harry Ford, Cole Young, and Taylor Dollard are kind of our top guys. Um, and then you can probably throw Emerson Hancock in that top group there, too. Um, you know, these three guys that are kind of come on board are probably going to be right around that maybe Emerson Hancock, maybe a little bit low, below Emerson Hancock range right there. But, um, I mean, there's potential that we're going to get three guys that are going to be top 10 in our farm system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is like a nice injection of, uh, of use to the system there. So yeah. And if, if we're um, talking about, you know, potentially having another trade, you know, we talked about Jerry DePoto not playing all his cards yet. He still could have something up his sleeve. You know, if he's got to throw in a minor leaguer or two in the next deal, you know, we've got three picks to kind of offset that. I mean, again, yeah, that three picks in obviously, Development in the MLB is very, I don't know. It's not like any other sport because it could take years and years and years to get up into the major league system. But having three picks in the top 35, 40 picks is huge for this team. You know, and and, and if we have to make another trade, you know, where we have to throw in an Emerson Hancock, a Harry Ford or something, we're going to get Brian Reynolds, like – you know, it, it makes me feel a little bit better to know we we've got some replenishment coming in this next draft. Definitely, and it's uh, and we can also yeah we can move that thirtieth pick, and um, you know I think uh, I think it's just gonna be, and then like overall, right? Um, those are guys that kind of where it ends up. They might end up like maybe one or two of them end up in like a top one hundred list somewhere in there. So like. Just going to be good picks overall. Mm-hmm. And next year's draft class from, um, you know, people that are really kind of close to, you know, college baseball and prep baseball are talking about just it's pretty deep class. So mm-hmm. um, I think just a lot of a lot of good, a lot of the good things looking up there for the Mariners next year when it comes to um, the draft. Yep. Yep. A couple other notes that we had um, that we that we put in our notes here, um, you know, AJ Pollock's still out there. Uh, we're going to talk about the White Sox, and I was actually really, really surprised that he's still out there. You know, um, you know, I, I say that because Jared Kelnick is getting interest from the Dodgers. They're trying to find a someone to play center fielder after losing Cody Bellinger. So you know, AJ Pollock um, is still out there. Could be a fit. You know, Bo had Michael Brantley. You know, we had just talked about that. Michael Brantley on the same list, but then he ends up signing with the Astros. So. 
Um, and then we have uh, Luis Arias. Ar- I-, I can't ever say his name. What? How do you say it, Bo? I say it Arias. Ar- Arias. Arias. Yeah. He's still... Uh, looks like he's on the trade block. Um, for those of you that don't follow other teams, Arias was the um, average leader last season in the AL. Played for the Twins. Um, I, uh, I actually really hated this guy around all-star time, like the all-star break, um, because he ended up beating out Ty France, um, to play first base on the all-star team. Um, when, you know, Ty France was having such a good first half, um, he didn't have quite the greatest second half, but, um, yeah, Arias would be a, a fun pickup. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else to note there, Bo? Um, I don't think so. Arias can play, you know, multiple spots. The Twins are... I don't really know what the Twins are... I don't really know where the Twins are going to kind of end up this next year. The Twins have kind of felt like a team that's been... I don't know. They've been in the middle. They keep playing the Yankees in the playoffs and keep losing Mm -hmm. to them all the time. Um, But, uh, yeah, I don't really know where the Twins are going to play things a little bit they definitely need help i think on the pitching side of things so maybe like a chris flexen will be of interest to them but we'd certainly have to kick more in to get arias but um i don't know be another good fit just somebody that just a, just an average hitter right somebody that can play a couple different places and i know there's i think there's some questions out there about ty france still so yeah. um i don't know maybe the maybe the mariners are hedging their bets there right but uh no, it would be a good little get. But um, <clears throat> I have to, I mean, I have to ask you, and I feel like these kind of Mariner notes are coming out of like, we're not really doing much right now. So I feel like people are just speculating or they're throwing things out there. Right. But like, um, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of Otani talk. There's been a lot of Tatis talk, mm-hmm. right. Tatis Jr. Talk. Um, is any of this viable? Do you believe do you believe there's a grand conspiracy that the Mariners are holding all their chips to rake a run at Otani next year um, or, you know, trying to work out something with the Tease, or do you think that's just, we're not really making a lot of moves right now. So people are just searching for something to, to, to answer why we're not doing anything. Uh, I think Otani is a lot more realistic than Tatis. Um, just because we could go and sign Otani. I mean, yeah. We're seeing this season that they're not really going in on big free agents. Um, but I don't know. Tatis has got still a lot of years on his contract. And I know, you know, the Padres go and sign uh, uh, Xander Bogarts and they traded for Juan Soto last year and they got Manny Machado. So those are three really, really big contracts. Um, you know, but I, I feel like if Tatis is getting moved, he's going to go to a big market. Um, you know, someone that might have a little more, um, you know, chips that they could throw in to get this, get him, you know, so I would see like someone like the Yankees, the Mets. I I don't know if they would trade him. I think if, if the Padres trade him, they're certainly not trading him in division. That would leave the Dodgers Mm -hmm. out. Like I, I, unless they were trading, you know, Jesus himself, I don't think he's going in division. And then I, I don't know if they'd keep him, you know, in the same league, you know, I, I think that would take out the Mets. So, I mean, realistically I could see Tatis going to 
somewhere like the Yankees, you know, big market like that. Um, but Otani, I think, is a little bit more realistic, you know, like, and it 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 sucks because it's not, you know, it it could be when our window's a little bit more closed because you only have so long to be competitive, you know, and then if you you go and do this Otani deal and he's probably gonna want. million a year, then what is that doing with our young guys? You know, I don't know. It's so up in the air. You know, we we have all these conspiracy theories as fans, and like I told you before we started the show, Bo, like Reddit's kind of a war zone right now. Uh, Mariner's Twitter's kind of a war zone right now. Uh, Even some of the Facebook groups are kind of a war zone right now because, you know, they – a lot of a lot of fans they're you're you're not really in the middle you either think we're not spending enough money and not doing anything or we're spending an ample amount of money and making these trades cuz you know we're not going to go and pay these guys 300 million dollars to eventually suck in a Mariners uniform so i i don't know i it, it's yeah. it's there's no middle to it you know, and we could sit there and try to ride the line on the middle, but it it's so tar- hard to because you want to see this team succeed. So I think we ride the middle here on the Forks Down podcast pretty well. Because I like what I'll say is this: is like I feel like you can have multiple opinions about something, right? And like you can have it's it's completely re- plausible to say like Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correa, way too much money. But also, like, Andrew Benintendi, I feel like that was a modest deal. Yep. Maybe the Mariners should have been in on that, right? I feel like that's a measured approach that, like, um, makes sense, right? Like, you can have multiple th- – multiple things can be true at the same time, right? Like, um, so, I don't know. I uh, it's um, I think it's, it's like, just it's – a, it's a function of, like, where the Mariners are at now, right? And um, just uh, – I think the fan base growing, the fan base becoming more, um, I think, involved with like what the team is doing on a day-to-day basis than ever before. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's a little tough just because of, uh, yeah, just it seems like it's either black or white. Either we're either we're not spending enough money, billionaires are hoarding all their money, or um, you know the other side of it, right? So yeah, it's a little tough. And I guess I want to add on to the Otani thing. Like, I don't think this is. Uh, like you were saying 30 to 40 million dollars right mm-hmm. like i think the bidding for otani starts at 500 million dollars like i think it's a 10-year 50 million dollar deal that otani starts at right like I, that's realistically what i think he starts at right oh yeah I, and, when i said 30 and 40 i meant like per year yeah yeah i it's gonna be a 10-year deal it, it's probably gonna yeah. be the first 500 million dollar deal in the mlb but I mean, I think very minimally, it's going to be a $30 million a year deal. And it's probably going to be just nuts after that. Well, well north yeah. of $50 million a year. Well, that's where I'm going with this, right? It's like, it's perfectly reasonable to say, you know what? I think the Mariners are just, I think that's, I think that's beyond the Mariners price range. I think that's more than their... I think I feel like that's not a good deal for the Mariners, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a completely plausible thing to say, mm-hmm. right? And maybe there's some other moves they can make next season that are a little more modest that probably make um, a little more sense for the Mariners. But I feel like Otani is going to eventually be just priced out of what is acceptable, I think, for the Mariners to pay. Yep, yep. It just 
And again, I, I think he's more realistic of the two choices. I, I, I don't see Tatis being... Like, even with Jerry DePoto being Trader Jerry, I just don't see Tatis coming to Seattle and, and being a Mariners uniform. You know, that's just... That's something you see on yeah. MLB The Show. Something you don't see in real life. So... Well, it's tempting, right? Um, you could have two... I mean, it's tempting to think about two generational talents on, you know, the same team. It's tempting to think about it. I guess that's where that's all I'll say. It's tempting to think about it, but like I, 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 I agree. It's uh, I care, I care a little less because I'm probably not on the team about his off the off the field stuff than yeah. others, right? I, I probably care less, but um, I think uh, yeah, we'd have to we'd probably have to eat a lot of that salary. So then we're coming back to like. The, the age old like are we going to be able to port, pay guys in the future? Yep. Um, but yet again, he's also you know he's also twenty I don't know twenty four still right? He's not like a thirty year old guy that we're signing. So yeah, I don't know. Um, probably again, probably not super realistic. But um, who knows? Jerry's uh, Jerry's kind of worked mag- his magic on funky deals before with like Cano, right? So yeah. Um, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I- I see people argue about that, too, on social media all the time, too. You know, one pe- person will be like, oh, we're just using that so we can send our young guys to a contract, you know, after their arbitration years. And, and people don't like to hear that. I, I come to find out a lot of people don't like to hear, you know, the safe the safe approach to make sure we keep our young talent. But anyways, I digress. Let's, let's, let's move on from that because there's – I think we could do a whole podcast episode arguing that, so – Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, one more, one more thing to note before we move on from Mariner, you know, Mariner's notes, and get onto our uh, what we have for this week. Um, Adam Frazier signed a deal with the Orioles. Um, if you're, if you go back to when we did our projected twenty-six man rosters, I think that puts me like zero for four on potential free agent signings because I had guys like Josh Bell. And Adam Frazier and Cody Bellinger come to the team. So, um, great, great success on my part to try to call that out. But, um, yeah, uh, good luck, Adam Frazier, with the Orioles. Young, we talked about him last week, young team. Really, really going to be fun to watch with uh, Bo's boy, Adley, running the show at catcher for them. So, Adley. Yep, and Adam Frazier has the second highest contract dollar value on the uh, on the Orioles this year, so kind of interesting. And you can hit two forty and go be the second highest paid player on a team. That's just two forty and bat out of the nine hole. Yeah, yep. it's impressive. It's impressive. <laughs> so this week we're uh, we're continuing our deep dive um, on at least our league opponents. Um, Last week we did uh, the AL East. You know, Bo did Toronto. I did Baltimore. Um, Just kind of our ongoing series of doing this. So this week, to kind of wrap up the AL, we picked two teams from the AL Central. Guys that we're going to see, excuse me, teams that we're going to see potentially make a run at um, divisional AL Central titles and wild card spots that we could see in the playoffs. Um Bo, 
I feel like you always start us off, so let's start you off again. Um, who you got this week, and uh, you know, tell me about them. I took the Cleveland Guardians this week, and uh, well, you know, after I would say like looking at the Guardians, um, I think the thing that's kind of stuck out to me was that the the Mariners and the Guardians are um, pretty similar baseball teams in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, uh, the the Mariners and the Guardians, right, last year in terms of, like, wins above replacement on the offensive side of things, right, um, and, to, you know, just combined offensive performance, right, we're very close, right? Um, they have a couple budding young stars in Andres Jimenez and Stephen Kwan, right? Mariners have a budding star in Julio Rodriguez. Um, they've got a couple, they've got a really strong pitching staff. The Mariners have a really strong pitching staff. Um, they finished pretty close at win totals last year. Um, so I think really kind of really similar teams in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. I think Andres Jimenez is the, is the likely um, future star of that team. Um, he had a really good year last year, really good defensively. Um, but also, um, I would add that, you know, they kind of have their, their stalwart or their kind of, you know, guy that really holds it down for them and, uh, Jose Ramirez, right. And he's going to just continue to be, I think, um, you know, just getting a very consistent three hole hitter for them for the next couple of years. Um, and then my, my boy, Stephen Kwan, go Beavs again. Um, yep. Stephen Kwan had uh, had a breakout year last year. Um, he uh, he finished pretty high in the Rookie of the Year voting behind uh, Go Beats again, Adley, but then our boy Julio. Um, but uh, Stephen Kwan is a really control the zone kind of guy, right? Walked um, close to ten percent of the time last year. Um, struck out, I think, only like nine percent of the time. Um, but again, a higher average guy, that's 300, um, gets on base around 373, 374, somewhere in there. Um, and just, uh, they've got a good, really kind of really solid at the top of the order. Um, and I think the, well, they made a signing that, um, it's kind of a signing that maybe we as Mariner fans, um, like, and like I said, they're similar teams, right? Um, they put and signed out and they picked up Josh Bell, mm-hmm. um, who I don't think Josh Bell, you know, he's like a two-win player, which is kind of an average total, right? Two wins above a placement. Um, but uh, there's a lot of value in that, right? Um, you know, um, another control of the zone kind of guy doesn't strike out a whole lot and going to bat fourth or fifth in the order. Um, it was a nice little signing that maybe made sense for the Mariners. So um, yep. another good guy to add to the rotation, uh, to the to the hitting rotation there. Um, and then uh, I think... I kind of have to mention the pitching side of things. Um, you know, for years, the, the, the Indians, formerly the Indians and now the guardians, right. They kind of seem like they figured something out on the pitching side. Again, similar to the Mariners. Um, you know, they, they traded for Corey Kluber. They brought Corey Kluber on and turned him into a Cy Young candidate. Um, Carlos Carrasco was another guy. They developed a Mike Clevenger who's with the White Sox now. And then, you know, Shane Bieber, most recently Shane Bieber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just uh, an organization that is kind of, I think, flush with um, prospects, which I'll touch base on, but they're they just kind of keep churning up pitchers, right? And um, that's really going to help them, I think, have a little bit of a competitive advantage, right? 
Um, and I just, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of keep that going. I think Shane Bieber did get off to like a rough start last year, but ended up figuring out as the year went along. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the one thing I would know is, um, before this, I'd like to go over to like the subreddit page and there was a poll on there where they were talking about like, what do you want the guardians to do this off season? Right. And the one thing like the overwhelming response was to go get a pitcher. Right. So. They might still be in on somebody or they might try to want to go get another pitcher of some sort because I think they just want to kind of have a little bit of depth and um, kind of with behind Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie and Cal Quantrill. Those are kind of their big three. Um, so we'll see if they go add that. Um, I think a curious point um, that I've seen is that, and this is also a move that their fan base wants to go make, right? Everybody's fan base wants everything from their team, right? Yeah. Um, is that they think they can go get Brian Reynolds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I would say that they probably have more of the pieces to go get Brian Reynolds better than the Mariners. Um, this is a so I mean we we continuously talk about the Mariners farm system and if we have the right pieces to do it. Um, the the Guardians have a have a rock solid farm system right now, right? They've got a bunch of guys, probably probably um, top five in the major league right now. You know, if if not top prob- three, if not the top, you know, in in all of baseball, it's it's up there. It's up there. They've got a lot of guys that are knocking on the door too. That's the thing is like at the you know going into like organizational rankings when it comes to farm systems, right? Um, they have a lot of guys in triple a and double a and, and close to the major league level, right. That are going to start making impacts. And, um, for a team like the pirates that are looking for some sort of, you know, pie in the sky, one sort of like deal. Yep. Um, if the guardians want to make that deal, they could probably make it better and easier than the Mariners would. So, um, yeah, Daniel Espinino is the, is the big prospect for the guardians that, um, would probably be in a trade of that sort, but, um, he's a guy that, uh, just, a you know, a top 15 prospect on a lot of sites, right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's scheduled to make his major league DVU probably sometime next year. Um, and, uh, would just be another solid arm that you can add to this Indian Cleveland guardians rotation at some point. So they, uh, they're really well set up for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, when I was looking at this team, there's a lot of upside with the guardians, right? Um, and what I mean by that is Stephen Kwan's young, Andres Jimenez is young, Jose Ramirez is still a very solid baseball player. Um, <clears throat> and they just signed Mike Zanino, um, our boy Mike Zanino, so like their catching side of things is going to get better. Um, Oscar Gonzalez is a guy late last year that started to break out, it seemed like. Um, Josh Bell, you know, is a very solid player, uh, coupled with some pieces in their rotation, coupled with their farm system. Uh, there's just a lot of upside with this team. And I feel like like they, they, they won 92 games last year. Um, they were the, I think a big note is that um, in the second half of last year, I think they won the third most games the second half of the season. So I think that tells you right there that this is a team that started to improve, just started to get better. And I think they're just going to continue to get better in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want you to, how do you feel about, um, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about um, Emmanuel Classe, who I believe is. Um, I know you're a big fan. I but, uh, I absolutely am. 
I, I feel like he's probably the best reliever in baseball currently, or on the fast track to be the best reliever in baseball. Um, like I told you, you know, when we we're going over show notes, Class A is probably the one guy that if I got to cherry pick one guy off of a team in the league, I really think Class A would be that guy. Um, lockdown closer. Um, again, if if he's not already the best closer in the game, I think he gets there next year. Um, he's just he's got electric stuff, unhittable stuff. I mean, hundred mile an hour cutter. That thing's that thing moves. So, um, yeah, definitely a big fan of Class A. Um, you know, so I I I want him to succeed. You know, even if it comes at the um the behest of our Mariners, like I just want that guy to succeed. Fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just keep going back to it, right? Like, the upside of this team is huge, right? Class A is um, going to have, I think, it's going to be continuous to be solid. Um, he's, uh, I think he's only 24. Um, I mean, it reminds me of, reminds me a little bit of Edwin Diaz when Edwin Diaz was at his peak, right? And I would think right now in terms of, like, closer rankings, I, I think Edwin Diaz is I guess you could probably put him number one right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if that lasts as he ages, but I mean, class A is right there by right there behind him. So mm-hmm. we very well could be talking about class A being, you know, reliever of the year at the end of 2023. Um, wasn't, wasn't he the reliever of the year 2022 for the AL? I'm pretty sure he uh, was. So a repeat, I guess we'll put it that yeah. way. Um, uh, Maybe I was thinking reliever overall in baseball, but um, anyways, um, I think some quick notes. Um, the The Guardians went one and six against the Mariners last year in 2022. Um, they had a rougher time against the AL East more than other teams, um, which I I don't know if that will necessarily continue. I would uh, I'd have I have I have I mean they went two and five against the Red Sox. They um, you know, they didn't do really well. They went one and five against the Yankees last year. Um, so I think that that's going to improve against the AL East next year, which I think is going to inf- increase that um, overall win total next year. Um, but they hardly strike out. They, they strike out the least of all teams in baseball. They're really well disciplined. Um, I, uh, it's, if I'm thinking about my power rankings right now in the AL, um, I, 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 I and I'm thinking like with them and the Mariners, I don't know if I really want to say where I think teams are at right now, but maybe we'll save that for another episode. But mm-hmm. um, they're just, uh, there's a, they're a really solid team that has a ton of upside. Yep. Um, and I think if they go on, if they go and add a pitcher and then maybe a couple other bullpen arms, right. Um, I think this is certainly the team to beat in the AL central and um, very well could be a, you know, a top, two top three team in the AL, I think going into 2023, if they had a couple more arms. So um, we'll see. What are your thoughts? Do you have any your thoughts about that? I think we would be very remiss if we didn't mention uh, the manager of the guardians, Terry Francona, um, you know, AL manager of the year, 2022 and um, just really, really put this guardian team in a good position. Um, you know, as as part of that that foundation is helping develop these young guys. Um, I'm pretty sure if I remember 
seeing this stat right, the Guardians had the youngest team in the major leagues, or at least the youngest team in the AL last season. Um, you know, and so it was good on Terry Francona to uh, really, um, you know, use his, his um, coaching ability to to get that team to a playoff spot. Um, you know, I I think they were finished or uh, picked to finish middle of the pack last year in the AL Central, and they ended up winning it. So I mean, um, yeah, they're 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 a really yeah. good team. You keep talking about upside. There's nothing but upside with this team. They're only going to get better, and I mean, they've there could be a time. You know, if we're not saying the Mariners are going to get to a World Series, it it could possibly be the Guardians. You know, the coming out of the AL to to play for a World Series. So, yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, they were forty six and forty four at the, the first half of last year, right? Yeah, the first so games there, ninety so games, right? And they ended the season at a 46 and 26, right? The second half of the season. So, I mean, that's got to tell you that I think going into next year, and I think you even saw it at the playoffs when they played the Yankees, right? And beat the Rays in that series, um, the wildcard series, that um, team with a ton of upside, I think they're, I think they are trending the way up for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah. So that's the, uh, that's the guardians there. Um, now the other team we picked, as I mentioned before, was the White Sox. That was the team I covered, and uh, that's uh, it's funny that we picked the White Sox because that's our friend Cody's favorite team. Shout out, Cody Espin. Uh... There, thank you. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> so, the White Sox, uh, very very disappointing twenty twenty two. Um, I think Cody would even say that. I think there was a time where he was just shutting off White Sox games because he was tired of uh, watching them lose. But um, 81 and 81 last year was good for second place in the AL Central. So, you know, look at the positive there. Um, There wasn't very many positives for this team. Uh, Tony La Russa was the manager for most of the season. Um, I got to ask you, Bo, before I get into more of this. Do you think Tony Tony Larusa was the problem last year for this team? Um, hmm. So I mean, maybe for like a distraction side, right? He was a problem, mm-hmm. right? I just feel like maybe that's the problem. I don't really, I don't really buy into like, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I really buy into like the manager impact is that high in the regular season. So. I don't know. Um, I just think that he probably was a distraction more than anything else, and I think that very well might have affected the team. So, yeah. um, and that aspect probably made probably made a little sense there. Yeah. So, uh, Tony Russo, you know, I I think had a little effect. Went sixty three and sixty five, and then got sick um, during the season. Miguel Cairo, uh, former former Mariner, I'm pretty sure Miguel Cairo, at least a coach. Um, was the bench coach at the time, came in, went 18 and 16 the rest of the way. Um, they got a whole new staff this year um, going into 2023. Pedro Griffel, um, who was in the Royals system, um, was part of the Royals when they were um, going to back-to-back World Series. I think he was a bench coach at the time. He's the manager this season. Um, Charlie Montoyo, who we know from the Blue Jays, is a bench coach on the team. And... Cairo, Miguel Cairo and Tony La Russa are both nowhere to be found around this team. Uh, I looked up Miguel Cairo 
and he's not a part of anyone's staff right now. So um, I'm I'm sure with his experience, though, he'll come back and, and be a part of baseball. Um, I have in the notes here, this team is stacked with talent. Um, a lot of oh, – you know, we're just talking about the Guardians having a lot of upside. I think there's quite a few players on this White Sox team that has a lot of upside. Um, you know, the, the, the big one obviously is, um, Luis Robert or Luis Robert, however you want to pronounce it. Um, you know, he came in the league, uh, 2020 and ended up losing the, during the shortened season and ended up losing AL rookie of the year to Kyle Lewis. Um, but I, 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 when I was talking with my friend Cody about this, you know, cause we, we, we got into a discussion about Lou Bob versus Kyle Lewis. I certainly think um, Luis Robert is going to be the better player overall, you know, career-wise. Um, after watching this season, it's kind of hard to to continue that trend because he can't stay healthy. You know, that, that's been the very, very big um, point in these disappointing seasons for the White Sox. Um, Robert and Tim Anderson played under 100 games last year. Um, Eloy... Jimenez, who's their left fielder, I think they're going to have him go to play DH. Um, he got hurt. Um, random random injury as he was running to a base. You know, so he, he got hurt and then played a few games, and, and you could see the effect on him. Um, looking at the games played, the person that played the most games was Andrew Vaughn, who was a replacement for um, all those guys. He... he uh, I think he's naturally a first baseman, but he played a lot of the outfield. Um, and, and I know that's something um, that the White Sox really didn't want. So I think that led to them um, going out and getting a guy like Andrew Benintendi, um, you know, to, to play the outfield. So they don't have to put Andrew Vaughn, Vaughn back there. Um, Andrew Vaughn actually is probably slated to take over first base, at least, um, from what I've heard and looking on roster resource fan graphs, um, he's taken over first base as Jose Abreu um, departed and went to the Astros. Um, if we're looking at players that left from last year, um, Jose Abreu obviously is the big one, former AL MVP. Um, Elvis Andrews, uh, Cueto, Johnny Cueto, um, elected for free agency. Josh Harrison, Vince Velasquez, and then one we mentioned earlier in the show, AJ Pollock. Um, I'm really actually surprised AJ Pollock hasn't signed somewhere. Um, I I thought for sure he'd stick with the White Sox, um, but yeah, that's uh, you know that's the young players they got. Um, they've only got like two players that have over ten years of service time. Um, when I was looking it up, one of those players is Yamsamani Grandal behind the plate. Um, I don't know, Bo, do you, what do you think on Yasmani? I mean, he's been kind of a, I think he's been in the league for 12 seasons. Um, you know, kind of guy that, that's hung around a couple organizations and then ended up with the White Sox. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on Yasmani? You know, I, uh, yeah, I'm actually a big Yasmani Grandal fan because he, um, he's kind of a statistical darling in a lot of ways, right? Because he, um, he uh, never really hits for a good average, but he walks a lot, right? Mm-hmm. He, um, you know, in the money ball, in the money ball way, he gets on base, right? Yeah. Um, 
and uh, he plays a he plays the catcher position well. I think he's maybe lost a couple steps um, the last couple years, but um, yeah, I really like the Grandy Man. Um, he's uh, I feel like he's still a solid catcher. I think he he didn't really have that great of a twenty twenty two, but uh, we'll see if he can kind of turn it around. But um, yeah, he walks a ton, right? I think he had over a four hundred bound base percentage in twenty twenty one. Um, so like, uh, I don't know. I, I really like him. And, um, I think he's a good, uh, I think he's a good veteran to have on the team. Oh yeah. Right. Um, especially, especially at the catcher position for some of the younger guys like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. So, mm-hmm. um, I really like Yazabani. I, I do too. Um, it, it sucks that he's getting older because again, we talk about, you know, past 30 being kind of old for baseball. He's, he's 34 right now. Um, so, you know, that in the next couple of years, that could be a big hole for the White Sox going forward. Um, you know, they at one point had a potential breakout candidate in, uh, Yerman Mercedes, the, we called him the Yerminator, um, great nickname, but, um, he, I don't know if anyone remembers the, the story behind why he kind of, he almost left baseball because of it. Uh, they were White Sox were blown out. I think it was the Twins, and Yerman came up, and uh, they had a position player. The Twins did on the mound, and Yerman came up and mashed a home run. And Tony La Russa um, basically threw him under the bus during the ensuing post game press conference, and it really, really took a lot of wind out of Yerman's sails. Um, you know. He was playing a really good baseball up to that point in his rookie season, and uh, he's not even on the team anymore. Um, he he went to the Giants, so probably another another good thing, another good reason. The Roos is not running this team anymore, you know, um, just because I, I kind of hated what they did to Ehrman. Um But yeah, uh, you know, other other places on the team. Um, you know, I, I think we, we need to talk about the rotation a little bit because I think that's the def- definite strength of this team. Um, they did come kind of have a down year last year. I think it kind of hurts when you have so many injuries in the field that it starts affecting your pitching just a little bit. Um, you know, but even even with the quote-unquote down year, they had a um, AL Cy Young candidate in Dylan Cease. Um, I, I really think Dylan Cease is a future Cy Young winner. Um, and I, I, I really think he got snubbed this last year. Um, you could take Verlander, you know, who was the Cy Young winner off the Astros and they're still going to do what they're going to do. Um, you know, but Cease was a big reason that the White Sox were even able to finish 500, you know, and then, uh, looking at other parts of the rotation, they got, Lance Lynn, who, you know, he's the only other vet with over 10 years service time on the team. Uh, Lucas Giolito, who at one point was battling for an AL Cy Young Award. I think that was two seasons ago during the shortened season. Michael Kopech and uh, newly signed Mike Clevenger, um, you know, coming over from the Padres and, and slotting in. He'll slot probably fourth or fifth. So, I mean, I, I, I looking at a boat, like the rotations a, a going to be probably the strength of the White Sox this season. Yeah, I, I, um, 
kind of see how it all holds up. I think Michael Kopech is penciled in there as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see um, see what kind of comes out of that. Um, I don't really think the White Sox have too much on the farm side of things. I think they're still a little depleted there. So, like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the guys that they have there now are going to be kind of their guys for, you know, most of the season. So, yeah. Um, We'll see. I, I again, Dylan Cease is absolutely an ace. Um, you know, still only twenty-seven years old. Um, I uh, Lance Lynn, the ever ageless Lance Lynn, just continues to just be a to be a rock star, right? Um, for for a guy that throws four different fastballs, he's still still a really good pitcher. <laughs> yeah, and Lucas Giolito, I'm I am actually a little suspect on. Lucas Giolito. Um, I think the stats probably tell a different story last year. Like um, he had a he had a pretty high ERA last year, which probably isn't super representative. But um, yeah, I think the rotation's good. Mm-hmm. I think um, yeah, they're kind of a team that I think might be able to put some pieces together here and there. And um, I think the injury side, right? That's I, I mean, they're just like they're just. I feel like I just every single time I turn on MLB Network or something, it's some sort of injury to Eloy or Yoan or somebody that mm-hmm. they just can't they just can't stay healthy, right? And I feel like if they do, um, you know, yeah, and, other teams are in trouble there. And like I said, Andrew Vaughn was was the person that played the most games, and he still missed twenty games. He played one hundred and thirty four, or something like that. So it's like this team was very very hurt, you know, and that probably. You know, we could talk about Tony La Russa. That's probably why the team got a whole new coaching staff. You know, you can, you can kind of look at things like the strength and conditioning coach, stuff like that, you know, to, you know, probably be like, why are these guys getting hurt? I mean, Lou Bob and, and you know, Tim Anderson, Timmy Jim, they both played under 100 games last season, which is, you know, not a good look. Not a good look. Um, and like Eloy... One of his that that base running injury was just kind of a freak freak accident. I remember talking to Cody after the uh, injury happened because he was watching the game um, live when it happened. He's like, "There's no reason he should have been running that hard to first because, I mean, he, he was there was no way he was going to beat it out anyways. You know, he still was out by a mile and then he hit the bag and you know I think it ended up being a hamstring issue. So yeah. Um, you know, kind of, kind of digress from that side. Um, you know, White Sox signed Benintendi and Clevenger to deals. Uh, they really haven't been um, too hot on the free agent market this season. Um, the only other really big transaction I know, and I wouldn't even call it a big one, Billy Hamilton got signed to a minor league deal. <laughs> so they, I would assume they're trying to fill holes. Um and I just don't know what they're going to do about it. They have a hole at second base. They have um, Rami, Rami Gonzalez um, at second base, penciled in right now. And then right right field, they've got uh, Gavin Sheets, Luis Garcia, um, platoon and right. So I, I feel like there's a, still a couple holes, and we got a long offseason still. I, still. I think there's a couple holes that need to be filled on this White Sox team to kind of give them over the hump. Um, you mentioned the prospects, uh, you know, a few minutes ago. They do have two top 100 prospects. Uh, Colson Montgomery, 
depending on where you look, he sits about 50, 60s. Um, he could be ready this season. Oscar Colas at 95 um, could be ready this season to come up. And then um, what was his? Lewin Sosa. I, I can't remember that guy's name. Lewin Sosa, I think, is the one who's getting the most rep that could be MLB ready this season. So maybe maybe that's what they do. He's, he's listed as a middle infielder. Um, as an infielder in general, he plays everything but first. So um, he could certainly pencil in at second, maybe. Maybe they're not going to sit, uh, sign a guy at second just so they can get Lennon Sosa, um, you know, up and, and getting some major league time. But overall, I I think it just comes down to can this team stay healthy, and if they can stay healthy, can the White Sox continue to develop their guys? You know, they've got a good base. Lou Bob, Eloy, Timmy Jim, and Cease all can turn into stars. I mean, it's, we're only a couple seasons off from Tim Anderson um, being in contention um, for the AL average, um, batting average title. Um, you know, last year, Cease was in discussion for AL Cy Young. Lou Bob, former Rookie of the Year candidate. Um, you know, Eloy can just smash the ball. So um, if they're going to get over the hump, you know, they're they're going to have to stay healthy. Um, just just a quick note because you you mentioned that the Guardians went one of six against the Mariners. Uh, White Sox did a little bit better against the Mariners from twenty twenty two, four and two. Um, I remember this was what their second. I think this was the Mariners' second um, series of the year. I think they started against the Twins, and the second series was against the White Sox. Um, the, the second series of the year was not great. Um, there was weather issues in Chicago. Um, they, I remember at one point I texted you, Bo, and I said, why is this game going on? It looks like, you know, it's raining so hard you can see it on the on the camera, you know, as, as they're trying to play. And Robbie Ray, I think that was his, it was his first or second start with the Mariners, got absolutely shellacked because... He couldn't get anything to move in the rain. Like he threw a curveball and it just, it didn't break at all. You're just like, why are we still playing? You know, he, he was trying to get people out there to, to mess with the mound. So I would, I would like to think, you know, that, that first series against them last year was just a, just a wash, you know, um, you know, definitely came back in the second series. And uh, I think they won that series two to one. Or, yeah, it was like two to one. I think they went one and two, first series of the year, second series. They went, now nah, it was one and two, two. So my math's all off. But anyways, yeah, I, I feel like we're going to do better against them. How many games do we play against them next season? Um, That's a good question. Um, I'll look it up here. Yeah. Um, But uh, the, uh, the White Sox, to me, just seem like a team that's, they just seemed super close, right? Like they, um, they made the postseason in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, they took a step back in 2016 and 2017 when they traded like Chris sale, Adam Eaton, Jose Quintana at the time. Right. And they got a lot of these pieces of guys that we're talking about now, right? Like Eloy Jimenez and Yohan Moncada, Lucas Giolito. And, um, they uh they feel like they're just super they just feel like they're super close to like 
I guess being real good, I guess that's just the best way to put it. And, um, I don't know. Um, I think it, I think it all just comes down to the health of them. And, um, I, uh, they just, they just don't seem that far away. I guess that's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. One Um, one of these days we'll, we'll get our friend Cody on. He already, he already said he'd be on at some point with us when, when we wanted to have him on. And we'll talk about this White Sox team from the perspective of a White Sox fan. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll be the week that we play, you know, have a series against the White Sox. Maybe when they're in Seattle, we'll get Cody on and we'll talk about it, you know. And obviously a lot could happen between now and then. You know, White Sox could end up, you know, being really good. The Mariners could be really bad. You know, there's there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. But, maybe you know, one of these days we'll get Cody on and, we'll look at things from his perspective a little bit as a White Sox fan. So I see the Mariners play. They have three games in August against the White Sox and three games in June against the White Sox. So our total is six games total. Six games total. So again, they're playing six, which is what they played last year. So, okay. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. That, so we'll see. That's what, what do you think we're going? Um, what do you think our record's going to be against them next season? Hmm, against the White Sox. Um, hmm. Let me see how the Mariners went. The White Sox, would you say they went 4-2 and two against us in Seattle? I'll give us a 3-3 three and three record against the White Sox in 2022. Okay, how about the Guardians? So the Guardians, I think they're, I think we actually only play five games against the Guardians in 2023. So uh, I'm going to give us a two and three record against the Guardians in 2023. I'm going to say three and two against the Guardians, but I like the three and three against the White Sox. Um, I think White Sox were a better team on paper against them. Um, Guardians, not so much. I think it's more even keeled there, but uh, yeah, I like those predictions. I like, I like those predictions, Bo. So, awesome. Anyways, that, there you have it. That's what we have this episode. Um, we are probably going to finish up. We already, you know, got done with all the AL. I don't think we're going to cover any NL teams, so I think this is our final, final series on, you know, teams that we could see in the playoffs and, and divisional, you know, so-called rivals and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I guess we're moving on from that. So, um, yeah. Anyways, as we're winding down, Bo, um, you have any, any other words of wisdom this week? Why we, uh, still got you on the horn. Hmm. Uh, let me think. Well, Christmas is coming up, so hopefully Jerry brings us all something under our Christmas tree. But if not, um, Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays to all. And um, yeah, I think this is uh, putting a good cap on the Mariners year for us. I think we'll have one more episode after this, right? A special bonus trivia episode. But um, yeah, man, this is a, this is a fun recap series, and it kind of helped me align. I think where I'm going to put teams and like my AL rankings and like where the Mariners lie and all that. So this is a fun exercise to do the last couple of weeks. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I like uh, looking into different teams here, um, especially teams that we're going to see, you know, 
wild card round, divisional round, potentially ALCS if we can make it there. So um, good refresher in all these teams. So um, I hope, you know, we explained it good enough for our fans here at Forks Down, and I hope, you know, it helps you understand who we're going up against going into 2023. And, uh, yeah, so before we get out of here, like Bo said, next week, it's going to be Christmas time, so we are going to have a special edition bonus episode. Um, that's why I'm not asking if Bo's got a trivia question tonight, because we are going to do a whole episode worth of trivia. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of laughs, so don't miss it. It'll be, you know, we're, we're going to drop this on Tuesday, so it's going to be the following Tuesday, the Tuesday after Christmas. So absolutely have a great Christmas time. Be safe. You know, don't do anything I would do, but if you do, do it twice type thing. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, for all our listeners here in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for taking your time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we're going to see you guys next week.